So welcome again to our series on John the Baptist. And it's a series we call Refresh. It's about new beginnings. And uh, this message is entitled Life is a Highway. And we're going to be focusing on Luke chapter 3, verse 5 primarily. But uh, just to recap a little bit, after 400 years of silence, finally a prophet appeared to Israel. And uh, he caused quite a sensation because people had been waiting for God to speak for a long time. And here was somebody who claimed that he had the word of God. There was some skepticism about that, but uh, many people responded. And John's main mission was to prepare the way for the coming of the kingdom, which was personified by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at how that preparation was to be made. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to look at your word. And we know that the days of John the Baptist can be very similar to our day. We're on the threshold of, a, of something new. And uh, we get excited when we think about some of the changes that are possibly going to happen. Because people will see their need to repent and to take you more seriously. So thank you again, Lord, for your word. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the days of uh, John the Baptist, the nation of Israel was given its best opportunity to experience God's blessing because the kingdom of heaven was near. But the majority rejected God's word and ultimately committed the greatest atrocity in history. But there was a righteous remnant who believed the preaching of John, and they sincerely repented and ultimately found salvation through Jesus Christ. They took God seriously, and their lives changed, and it began to show. I wonder if anything like that will happen because of this crisis. This is also an opportunity for us to change our lives and to change the world. These are the months when the earth stood still and everyone was stopped in their tracks and the planet itself started to heal. The smog disappeared and blue skies were seen over previously polluted cities of China for the first time in recent memory. The contaminated canals of Venice filled with fresh water and teeming fish began exploring th those unfamiliar channels. When was the last time anything like that happened? And of course for us, this is also an opportunity for human nature to be cleansed and healed. Perhaps we will realize that we need to repent and turn from our wicked ways. Maybe this time we will take God seriously because we need a spiritual revival. And we also need a revival of love and compassion for each other, regardless of race or color. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how people will react because that's not in our control. 
But we do have the ability to decide that this is going to be the time in our life when we will refresh our faith. And in the preaching of John, we find out what that looks like. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 5 says, People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. It's interesting that John did not go into the cities to preach. He wasn't booked into the synagogues. He didn't hold any rallies in the temple courts. He wasn't a featured speaker on a Sea of Galilee cruise or conduct book signings in the library. He preached God's word out in the wilderness at the edge of nowhere to the caravans that were traveling along the Jordan River, to the shepherds who herded their flocks into the canyons where they could find small tufts of desert grass. He preached the word of God in season and out of season to those who would listen and also to those who didn't care. And from that humble beginning, word spread and the message went viral. Everyone in Jerusalem was talking about it. It was compelling marketplace gossip. And even the scribes became curious. Let's bring him in for an interrogation. I mean, an interview. What? You mean we have to go to him? How dare he? But soon tributaries of seekers and cynics were cascading down into the desert, looking like rivers of revival. Because this message that John had was so refreshing. John was just like the Old Testament prophets. He was passionate, fearless, and authentic. He had no sponsors to endorse. He was not obligated to flatter his fan club. John, was, John had absolutely no interest in pleasing people. He only wanted to please God. And John declared that God was preparing to do something big, so big that they needed to make radical changes just to prepare for it. And John used the words of Isaiah, who had described the specifications of renewal after the Babylonian captivity. In Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. All beginnings involve change, huge change, not just slight modifications or minor tune-ups or temporary faith lifts, not just something that's cosmetic. These were to be massive, substantial, enormous, permanent transformations. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low, crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth. 
In those days, whenever a king traveled to inspect his kingdom, heralds would be sent to announce his coming, and workers were dis dispatched to prepare the roads. They would fill in holes and clear out obstacles and arrest any dissidents so that the royal procession would not encounter any impediment or barriers. Recently, when the Pope visited South America, they chose a, a route through the slums, and all the buildings on, that, on those streets were painted, and the garbage was removed, and dismantled vehicles were towed away, and flowers were abundant. It was not your usual trip through the hood. Now that's what you call a cosmetic change, a temporary upgrade. But that's not what John was talking about. Every valley filled in, every mountain made low, crooked roads becoming straight and rough ways smooth. Right now, Calgary is in the midst of one of the most massive road construction projects in its history, the Stony Trail Ring Road. And from our community, you can see the path the road will take just west of the, the ski slopes. It is an enormous endeavor. It's going to take another four years to complete. But even that is not the kind of project John was describing. Let's make a nice new road that goes over the hill. No, that's not good enough. We have to take that hill down, level it. Get out the bulldozers, bring in the dynamite, and move that hill out of the way. Are you kidding? We can't do that. Where will we put all the debris? Well, that's easy. You just fill in the valleys. I think John would have loved Saskatchewan. Nice, straight, level highways. I once fell asleep driving through Saskatchewan. And when I woke up, I was still on the road and still even in my lane. No problem. But I don't recommend that to anyone. Of course, John was not talking about the topography of the promised land. He was referring to the contours of our soul, the landscape of the heart. John's referring to our attitudes because that's where change begins. Somebody said that everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. So you see, it's not just Baptists. Human nature has a built-in resistance to change. And my motto is, you should change so I don't have to. But anyone who encounters the living God realizes that change is the first order under new business. We must repent. We must be born again. Because if God doesn't change to become more like us, then we have to change to become more like him. And of course, that happens through the Holy Spirit. And here's what it looks like. First of all, every valley shall be filled in. In our spiritual lives, valleys can represent attitudes of discouragement. You know, we get disappointed. We get depressed. We experience defeat. As we saw in our last deluge, valleys and low-lying areas make, are very vulnerable. They can easily be flooded. And that's the same thing with these attitudes. They make us very vulnerable. 
and we get to, can get discouraged. Every valley needs to be filled in. When I was cycling in Edmonton, I loved descending into the river valleys, picking up speed, 35, 45. I'm not gonna tell you how fast I went because that's not a good example. But I loved zooming down those trails. The only problem is whatever goes down must come up and struggling up the same trails in the river valley was exhausting. You're not even going five kilometers an hour. It's easy to go down, much harder to come up. And that's also true psychologically. It doesn't take a lot of effort to give up, to just let yourself go, to just sink into depression. The way down is effortless. Sometimes it feels exhilarating to give up, free falling, base jumping. Oh no, I forgot my parachute. It's easy to go down, much harder struggling to get back up. All of the valleys of discouragement, all of the lowlands of defeat, all the attitudes of disappointment and depression make us vulnerable so that when the storms come and there's no drainage, we just soak in, the, in our misery and self-pity. For example, we struggle with inferiority complexes. We get down on ourselves. Oh, I don't have very much to offer. I'm useless. I can't get involved in church. I'd probably just fail. And we look around and we compare ourselves to others who we think are better, who are doing more. Those attitudes are obstacles to Christ who comes to initiate a new beginning in our life. And so those negative attitudes have to be buried under tons of gravel as the valley is filled in. And in the Gospels, we have many examples of how Jesus filled in the valleys. For example, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus filled in the valleys with blessing and encouragement. In John chapter 8, when he was dealing with the woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus raised the lowly, the broken, those overcome by guilt and shame and failure. He raised them up with forgiveness and grace and good news. He gave them hope. I know that whenever I feel the undertow of discouragement, I start looking for thermals, for the updrafts of encouragement. And in the church, that's really the specialty of the house. Every single time I come to church, I get encouraged. And I also try to encourage others. So I can't wait for TBC 2.0 to begin again. Every valley has to be filled in. And every mountain and hill made low. In our spiritual life, mountains can represent attitudes of defiance. You know, those mountains, they stand there defiantly 
obstructing the progress of anybody who wants to travel through that area. The mountain is not going to move aside to let you through. You're going to have to go the long way around. Those are the barriers sometimes in our own attitudes. These are barriers, these attitudes are barriers to what God wants to accomplish in our lives. These are attitudes like self-sufficiency, overconfidence, superiority, pride, lofty ambition. Every mountain and hill will be made low. Because the mountains are the clean landfill that you use to top off the valleys. And as we know, mountains and valleys are part of the same landscape. That's why inferiority and superiority complexes are closely related. They're two sides of the same denarius. Because in both cases, we become obsessively self-absorbed. This is compulsive self-centeredness. We're thinking about ourselves way too much. Both inferiority and superiority are obstacles that obstruct the king who wants access into our lives and through us to the world. Every mountain and hill will be made low. So how does that happen? Well, this pandemic is a great opportunity for that. Because a culture like ours incubates, encourages, enables pride. There's all kinds of pride that we have. We're proud of our success and proud of our status, proud of how smart we are. The tectonic movements of favorable circumstances have resulted in upward thrusting egos. But then this health crisis comes along and reminds us that we are not invincible, we are not unstoppable, and that our prosperity is not an irresistible force. Hopefully, we will come out of this pandemic humbled because that's healthy. Humility is good soil where hope can take root. You know, in the valleys we said there's a risk of flooding. Well, in the mountains there's also many risks like avalanches and mudslides. And when we have a superior attitude, we can get so frustrated with lesser mortals and subordinates, and it can build into a rage that sends verbal debris threatening anyone below us. That's just another day at the office. Maybe that's why it's better to work from home. Every mountain and hill will be made low. There's a parable that Jesus told where we see this spiritual engineering taking place. It's in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like all other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. The pride of this Pharisee was of Himalayan magnitude. He had risen to the top of his profession, and he loved nothing more than standing erect on the summit 
where others could admire him. And he loved watching the wretched struggling and stumbling far below. Oh, they were so pathetic. Especially this tax collector. He was a hopeless case. In verse 13 it says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that prayer caused a massive seismic event in the spiritual realm. Because as verse 14 says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The mountain had crumbled and the valley was exalted and raised. And the Bible continually corrects these kinds of imbalances. It doesn't matter how superior you think you are. John 15 tells us that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And it doesn't matter how inferior we think we are. Paul reminds us in, 50, in Philippians 4, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. See, in this new beginning, we can't waste our time comparing ourselves with others, thinking about either how much better we are or how much worse we are. The key to humility is not trying to think less of ourselves. It's simply not thinking of ourselves at all, finding something much more important to think about. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's being focused on the people that he wants us to help. Because that's what Jesus did. He went around helping people. And that would truly be a new beginning for us. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. These also illustrate attitudes. Attitudes that cause disintegration. Attitudes of negligence, carelessness, apathy. Because when a road is neglected, it will deteriorate and disintegrate. There's potholes and erosion and all kinds of wear and tear. You drive down some of our residential areas and you wonder, when are they going to get around to fixing this road? And it's like that in our spiritual lives. When we neglect healthy spiritual disciplines, There'll be signs of deterioration. If we neglect meditating on God's word, if we get careless about church fellowship, if we squander opportunities for worship and prayer, if we make no effort to help the poor and those in need, our faith will deteriorate. And that will become an obstacle to the King of Kings who is coming to offer us a new beginning. So we may need to schedule some road work. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. About 10 years ago, three of us uh, went to Africa to look for a village our church could sponsor. And the last village we visited was way up in the Kenyan highlands in an area that was afflicted with severe drought. And as we got into the van that morning, None of us suspected what we were about to experience. 
because we soon found ourselves traveling up the worst road on this planet. And I'm not exaggerating. Actually, it wasn't even a road. It was a dry riverbed filled with rocks of all sizes. And so we were tossed left and forward and right and back. It was like riding a Brahma bull. But you know, you only have to do that for eight seconds in the rodeo. This road we were traveling on, the turmoil, the upheaval, went on for, it must have been five minutes, which seemed like an eternity. And then it continued for 10 minutes. And we thought, we've got to be there soon, but it was 15 minutes. And our stabilizer bar was beginning to rattle. And it, then it went on to, for 20 minutes. And I think that last bump disconnected one of my kidneys. It's floating around somewhere. And then it went on for 25 minutes. Oh, beam me up, Spock. And it went on for 30 minutes. It took a half an hour to get there. 30 minutes of hell to reach an outpost of heaven because we got the warmest, most wonderful reception any of us have ever experienced or will ever experience. This was one of the poorest places in all of Africa. There was not a single green shoot anywhere. Just a shack made out of discarded lumber. That was their school. I've never seen people who had less than they did. But don't believe the advertising because Disney has been surpassed. That was the happiest place on earth. Those kids were so enthusiastic. Their joy was absolutely out of control. And I wish we could have adopted that village. I still kind of regret that, but I, I realize we couldn't because the road made it impossible. We were sending teams over to Africa every year who would go to these villages every day. And with that road, it just, it just wouldn't work. It was unbearable. And that makes me wonder, do I have some crooked roads in my life? Do I have some rough habits that jolt people around me? Do I shake them up with my careless words? Do I obstruct those who are seeking salvation by my lousy attitude? Or do I give them direct access, pointing the way to eternal life? Are their attitudes of carelessness, negligence, apathy, that have caused disintegration in our spiritual lives? Are there attitudes of defiance and pride that have become an obstacle to what God wants to do in us and through us? Are there attitudes of discouragement that need to be resolved? Have we given up? Do we need to be restored so that the one who began the good work can continue it until it's complete? There was a voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. Crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. Let's pray. Father, there's an opportunity for 
for that to happen in our generation. People basically have been just ignoring you. There's been so much irreverence. Just no one's taking you seriously. No one's really seeking to live a life that pleases you except for those who follow Jesus. So there are so many who need to experience that salvation that John the Baptist talked about. And what a wonderful thing it would be if we could see that happen in the months ahead. And may we be prepared if that does happen. And may that preparation take place first of all in our lives, that we would look at whatever attitudes we have that are obstacles to what you want to do in us and through us. Give us the understanding and the wisdom to know how to prepare for what's coming. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.